What's up, everybody? Hey. Welcome. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome to the bridge. My name is Ethan. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, man, I just want to, man, it's just a, it's just a, a great day in, in God's house uh, this morning. And I just want to encourage you with something before I dive in that um, I, I truly believe, and, and you could ask any of our uh, leaders at our church about this, but I truly believe this, that there is something special that is happening at the Bridge Church um, right right now. And and honestly, I can't even put my uh, my, my finger on it. I, I, mean, I mean, I wish I could. I mean, I wish I could tell you kind of like the formula, but there, there really isn't a formula. One of my friends, Andrew Hopper, was here a few weeks ago and preached, and he said, um, after uh, he was here, he said, man, there's just, there's just the X factor. Like, God is doing something at the bridge, and he said, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but just God is here. And that doesn't make sense, you know, because if you, I mean, if you, if you, if you look around, I, I mean, if you, uh, if, if this was up, uh, if this was on me, like if it was up to my own skill, experience, decisions, aptitude to make this happen, I would have wrecked this place years ago. All right, it, it isn't about, this is, this is God and what God is doing, and he is doing something significant in our church, and I believe that he's got something significant that he wants to do in our city through our church, and, um, and I, that's just really clear to me and to our elders and to our leadership, and so um, I just want to say, man, uh, wow, look at, look at God, and wow, it's going to be crazy crazy here in a couple weeks, okay? So don't say we didn't tell you there will not be a parking place. You're going to have to park like half a mile over there somewhere in order to get here. And so I just want to encourage you. You're here at the 11 o'clock. Super glad that you're here. Maybe some of you can make the shift, like Hillary said, to the 9 o'clock. Um, if you don't have anything that is actually requiring you to be here at the 11 o'clock, maybe you're at the time where you can shift to the 9 o'clock um, as well. Um, maybe you can start parking over at Snipes over there. That's how you know you've become like varsity level bridge uh, uh, member is whenever you can park over at Snipes, um, obviously, unless you have uh, little kids or you don't have the ability to do that. But, um, but seriously, um, God's going to be bringing a lot of people, specifically college students, but then others here to the bridge. And we're just out of space. We don't have anywhere to put people. So we need uh, some of you to make the shift to the nine o'clock and some of you to park as far away as you can. All right. And consider it exercise on Sunday morning. All right. You're doing, we're going to do spiritual exercise in here. You might as well do some physical exercise before you get in the door. All right. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be crazy. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. We're starting to brand new series too in two Sundays from now, and I'm, uh, I'm particularly jacked about that, and I'm excited about that. So um, why don't you pray with me, and then we're going to dive into the Word and see what God has for us today. Hey, God, why don't you do what you want to do today, and why don't you show up, and why don't you move us, and why don't you change us? And God, if, if you don't do it anywhere else in the world, in the planet today, we just ask that you would touch us with your finger here in this place, and that you would help us to know you and see you and experience you, perhaps in a way that we never have before. And I pray that you would help us to feel your love and your presence and your affirmation of us through Christ, through Jesus, what he has done for us. Regardless of where we are and regardless of where we come from in today, I just ask that you would do that for each of us. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. I read a story um, not too long ago in a book called Essentialism. That I read earlier this year, and the story, uh, I just felt like I had to, I thought about it this week and felt like I had to share it with you today. It's a story of, it really touches my heart because it's a story of a daddy date, a daddy and his daughter. And as you know, I have three, three daughters, three little girls, and we go on daddy dates. And it's just, I'm going to try not to cry as I get through this, okay? But this is, it's a special, it's a special story. This is, uh, this is what it says. The author says, a woman named Cynthia once told me a story about a time her father had made plans to take her on a night out in San Francisco. 
12-year-old Cynthia and her father had been planning the date for months. They had a whole itinerary planned out down to the minute. She would attend the last hour of his presentation and then uh, meet him in, at the back of the room at about 4.30 and leave quickly before everyone tried to talk him, talk to him because he was a speaker. They would catch a trolley car afterwards to Chinatown. They'd eat Chinese food, which was their favorite. They would shop for a souvenir I see the sights for a while and then catch a flick, as her dad would say. Then they would grab a taxi back to the hotel and they would jump in the pool for a quick swim. Her dad was famous for sneaking into the pool when it was closed, it says. Then they would order a hot fudge sundae from room service and watch the Late Late Show. They discussed the details over and over before they left. The anticipation was part of the whole experience. Are you there? Can you see it? I mean, I, I, can, I can see her there like... Um, with her dad thinking about this date night that they had planned for uh, months. And then it says this, this was all going according to plan until as her father was leaving the convention center, he ran into an old college friend and business associate. It had been years since they had seen each other and Cynthia watched as they embraced enthusiastically. His friend said, in effect, um, I'm so glad you are doing some work with our company now. When Lois and I heard about it, we thought it would be perfect. Um, we want to invite you and, of course, Cynthia to get a spectacular seafood dinner down at the wharf. And Cynthia's father responded, Bob, it is so great to see you. Dinner at the wharf sounds great. And this moment that this young girl had been hoping for and longing for and Looking for in this moment, it kind of all falls apart. What she had been hinging her joy in was seemed to be unraveling right before her. It seems like the plans that she had planned uh, are changing in the moment. You ever been in a situation where you had a plan and you, someone else perhaps had a plan or you were going into a situation and somebody just bailed on you? And everything that you thought that was going to be, it just somehow seems to unravel in front of you. And it seems like it's completely out of your reach and you don't know what to do about it. And it seems like in that moment there isn't anything secure in your life. And she is in this moment, it goes on to say, she was crestfallen. Her daydreams of trolley rides and ice cream sundaes evaporated in an instant. Plus she hated seafood. And she could just... Imagine how bored she would be listening to the adults talk all night long. But then her father continued, but not tonight. Cynthia and I have a special date planned, don't we? And he winked at Cynthia and grabbed her hand, and they ran out of the door and continued with what, with what was an unforgettable night in San Francisco. And the author would go on to say that Cynthia's father was the management thinker and author Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In that, I almost, almost cry. I mean, Ethan, why did you start with that story? I mean, I'm, I'm here, I'm crying at the very beginning of the sermon. I mean, but he, each of us in our, in our hearts, when we thought that he was going to bail on her, we just started to, we just started to break in that moment for her. If you, if, you, if you pay attention at all with the world, do you know that the world is changing on you every day? That the, the world is changing on you and what you're hoping in and what you're looking for just seems to fall apart sometimes. It seems like you get a diagnosis that is completely not what you were expecting. Seems like a relationship is just falling apart right before your eyes and you aren't exactly sure how or why. 
Seems like what you put your hope in and what you were putting your stock in is just perhaps falling apart. Today what we're going to look at and today what I want to encourage you with is you have a God that isn't like that at all. But you've got a God that is unchanging in every way, shape, and form. He's unchanging for you here today. And we're going to look at a passage in Psalms 102 that I think just paints the picture perfectly for us. It, it goes like this in Psalm 102, beginning in verse 25. Psalm 102, verse 25. The psalmist says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth. Speaking of God, of old, meaning sometime long ago. He doesn't even know when, but of old. You laid the foundation of the earth. It's the imagery of God like a worker, God like a construction worker laying out a foundation. And he says, in the heavens are the work of your hands. God, the heavens, what we see above us, the sky, the atmosphere, as we've, I've been saying for weeks now, everything that you see, the entire universe, it's the work of God's hands. And the psalmist is declaring to God and repeating back to God over and over again, this is the work of your hands. I mean, I think about like the, the language, the way in which he understands God and the way that he is talking about this. Um, in college, I was on a construction crew for, for four years um, in Myrtle Beach, and in the summers, I would come home and we would build houses over and over again in the uh, scorching heat of the summer. And um, I remember like the process that would take in order to build a house. I mean, it was quite a lengthy process. If we were really good, we could do it in the span of a few months. But at the beginning of that process is putting a foundation in. And so you've got to clear the land and you've got to grade the land to make sure that it is the right level. And then you've got to uh, put stakes and lines and draw out areas in order for the foundation and where the foundation is going to go. And then you've got to build a structure around those lines and make sure that they are straight and the right height. And then you've got to pour the concrete and the concrete has to come and you've got to smooth it and you've got to work it and you've got to trowel it over and over again and then it takes a few days for the concrete to set in order for you to get a foundation of a house just and think about this with me just a few feet of space in which you could uh, try to live in um, I was thinking this week about um, some of the biggest structures in the world I was like what is the biggest what's the biggest foundation what's the biggest building in the world, like volume-wise. And I actually uh, researched, and the Boeing factory, which makes Boeing planes, which you and I uh, ride on all the time, it's the biggest factory, it's the biggest building in the world in Washington. It's the largest building by volume. It is 472,370,319 cubic feet. Um, that's how big it is, uh, which is a lot of concrete. And the entire building is 98.7 acres. That's like a pretty big building. It's so big that you could encompass all of Disneyland in the building with 12 acres left over for parking. I mean, it's so, it's huge. I mean, this thing is, this is, this thing is insane. They actually take tours. I mean, you could go take a tour of it today if you want. I think it's like seven days a week you could go take a tour. I mean, it, it took months and months and months to build this structure. And then I got to thinking about, well, if the psalmist says that God laid the foundation of the earth. How big is the earth? I mean, it's like pretty freaking big. I mean, like the radius of the earth, I looked it up because I don't know this by my own uh, knowledge. The radius of the earth at the equator is 3,963 miles, uh, which would make the diameter, obviously, twice that, 7,926 miles. I mean, they think it's like ridiculously huge. It's huge. It's almost 8,000 miles just from one side to the other. And then if you wanted to go all the way around it, it's 24,900 miles. All right. And that's the kind of foundation that God builds. 
like in a moment, like without even thinking about it, without like any effort. It's like God woke up one day, which God doesn't wake up, but it's like God woke up one day and he's like, I'll build this thing called the earth. Boom, and it's done. Like it doesn't take months and months for God to do that. He just thinks about it. He just has an idea. He just speaks it into being. You ever thought about that? Think about the God that you know and the God that you serve. He has the ability to speak things into being. I mean, just when God utters his voice, things come into existence, which should hopefully be encouragement for you and me today, that if God speaks into your life today, if God speaks into your situation, things happen and things come into being, which is why we pray, like, God, show up. God, I need you today. I don't need you to, I need you right now, God. Show up in this moment. I need you to speak into a situation. So we call out to God. If God, if you, and you should pray this today. God, if you can speak with the words of your mouth and earth is formed, you can speak into my life and create something that I need right now today. And I think when God like hears that, there's something about faith that like unlocks the power of God. I think when God hears that, he's like, you want to challenge me? I really think, I really think like, and and I don't understand it completely. It's kind of like a mystery, but Jesus, there's a couple places where Jesus is operating. He's doing ministry and someone shows uh, bold faith and and Jesus is like, wow, all right, that's bold faith. I'll do that. I think God in some way, shape or form is waiting for you and me to have enough awe for him that we will ask him for crazy, bold, audacious things. And to just, just have the audacity just to ask him for something crazy. When's the last time you asked uh, God for something crazy? I mean, like crazy. You know, we, I think we forget, like, what God can do. I think we forget oftentimes the power that God has. I mean, God, he just, he laid the foundation of the earth. He, like, thought about it, and the heavens were formed. It's absolutely crazy. The psalmist, he would go on to say this in verse 26. He would say, they will perish, but you will remain. That's pretty deep. Like the earth, the heavens, that's what he's talking about. Um, They will perish, but you will remain. God, you're going to remain. I actually uh, researched this past week, but did you know that the stars are actually fading? Um, Scientists tell us that that stars are actually fading and decreasing in energy. And they say that upwards of, you know, some depending on the star and the size of it and X, Y, and Z, that it'd take perhaps a few million or a few billion years, but the star will die ultimately, that the star is going to die out. And this is what the psalmist understands. The psalmist, he looks at the universe and like, man, this universe, man, it's, it's going to go away at some point. These things are going to die. These things are going to fade away. But you know what? God, you remain. God, you just, you're just going to be here forever. Like God, he's, this is what he's saying in essence. You're the only thing that's actually permanent in the universe. You're the only thing that is actually, you're the only thing that doesn't have the ability to change. You are unchanged. You will remain. And he says this, they will all wear out like a garment, like your old shirt that's got a hole in it now. That's kind of how things are going to fade away, like even the stars. He says, you will change them like a robe and they will pass away. We even know that dying stars are called supernovas. When they lose the energy, lose enough energy and don't have the ability to continue, it's actually called a supernova where a star dies. And then he says this in verse 27, which is just the anthem for the day. Get your makeup out and write it on the bathroom mirror. Send a text, screenshot it, underline it, do whatever you have to do in verse 27. But you are the same. You're the same today, God. And your years have no end. 
There's no time stamp on you, God. The clock isn't ticking on you. You're forever. You're eternal. And you are the same. God is unchanging. God isn't in process. God isn't fading. He's not dying. Malachi the prophet would say it this way in Malachi 3, 6. For I the Lord, or God speaking through Malachi, for I the Lord do not change. Just in case you were wondering, I'm God, I do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You better be glad that I don't change because if I did change, you would be consumed. I do not change. He's unchanging. I want to give you three specific brief Anytime a pastor says brief, don't trust him. But three specific brief ways in which God is unchanging, and they all start with a P, because I like that. God is unchanging in his perfections. God is unchanging in his perfections, meaning his moral perfections and the nature and his character and who he is. He is absolutely unchanging in his perfections. Here's what this means. God is not becoming a better version of himself. God is not hoping that he's a little bit better tomorrow than he is today. God's not hoping and waiting and desiring that he would be improving himself. He doesn't have the ability to improve. He doesn't have the ability to become anything. Theologians would say it this way. He isn't becoming. He is being. He is just being. He cannot create or make or improve a better version of himself because he is the ultimate best version of God that could ever exist forever. He, he isn't becoming anything. He, he's, he's not changing. I love it when um, Moses is having a conversation with God back in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, I believe it is, and um, uh, God sends Moses on a crazy mission. He sends him on a crazy mission that he's going to go and tell Pharaoh, which is basically like the ruler of the world. Hey, I want you to go tell Pharaoh. He's the most powerful man in the world. I want you to go talk to him and tell him to let my people go. Moses is like, wow, Okay, that's crazy. I mean, just, who should I tell him sent me? And God's like, tell him I am sent you. And I, if I'm Moses, I'm like, oh, hold on. I am what? I am, I am God or I'm good or tell him I, I am big or I, I, no, he said, just tell him I am. But I, you, I am what? You are what? You, no, no, no. Uh, Moses, just tell him I am. Just, it's the verb for being, like I be. I just am. Tell them, tell him that. Tell him that I am. He says, I am who I am. Here's, here's the idea. God isn't becoming anything. He isn't growing. He isn't performing. He isn't like trying to uh, improve upon himself. Just tell him that the I am of the universe has sent you. That's what God is. He, he, he is unchanging in his perfections. His perfections don't have the ability to change. God is unchanging in his uh, perfections. Um, Herman Bavink, theologian, says this. I love it. It's a little deep, but I love it. Every creature is continually becoming, you and me, every creature, changing constantly striving, seeking rest and satisfaction, and finding this rest in God, in him alone, because only God is pure being and no becoming. You with him? You see that? You feel that? 
I, I love the way that the psalmist would say over and over again, you ever heard a song, you ever read a psalm, and it says that God is my rock? You ever thought about that? Uh, psalm 18.2, it says it this way, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. Oh, uh, my God, my rock, he says it again, in case we forget, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. By the way, I love it when the psalmist uses my, uses the word my in reference to God. You ever, ever said that to God? He is my God. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my rock. And he may be yours as well, but I'm declaring today that he is mine. He is my rock. And, and I imagine that, um, I imagine these, I imagine the psalmist is, he's trying to look around for like a metaphor because he's a poet and he's a writer. He's trying to look around for a metaphor or an analogy in which he can try to get a little bit and explain a little bit of what God is like. He's like sand. No, he's not like sand. Um, tree, uh, tree, uh, air, uh, people, uh, I'm trying to find, it's a, it's a mountain. He's like, mountain, that thing has been here forever. I, I mean, it was here before I was born. I mean, it's still here. It's going to be here forever. It, you, can't move, you can't hurt it. You can take a stick and hit it, but you can't hurt the rock. I mean, it's just going to be there forever. It just completely does. And then he's like, God is my rock. God is my rock. He, he, he's, he just doesn't change. He, he's, he is unchanging in his perfections. He doesn't change from day to day. He doesn't become a better version of himself. He is unchanging in his perfections. Number two, God is unchanging in his purposes. God is unchanging in his purposes. Proverbs 19.21 would say it this way, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What stands at the end of the day, what stands the test of time, what stays at the end is the purpose of the Lord and what God purposes. Isaiah the prophet would say it this way in Isaiah 46, I am God and there is none like me. And I know that you've been looking and searching, but there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Wow. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. God is unchanging in his purposes. God's purposes always come through. God's purposes are always realized. I kind of wish I had some of that power. <laughs> Everything that God purposes to do, it will do. He is unchanging in his Purposes, he's unchanging in his perfections. And then number three, he's unchanging in his promises. He's unchanging in his promises. Psalm 89, 34, God says, No, I will not break my covenant or my promise. I will not take back a single word I said. God's promises don't change. God promised you something, he's going to deliver on the promise. Any of you just out of curiosity, bad at keeping promises? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, dinner Thursday night, you're good? Yeah, we'll do dinner Thursday night, yep, uh, downtown, uh, yeah, where you want to go? Copper Penny? Okay, Thursday night, we're there, right? Yeah. Hey, sorry, I can't make it tonight, I got I to gotta bail on you, we get theme, blah, blah, blah. you're like, ah. Maybe some of you aren't good at keeping promises, um, I try not to make a promise unless I'm going to keep it, but I'm still, I break promises occasionally as, well, God has never once in the history of the universe broken a promise. He has never said anything that he did not do. He's never even gave you the idea that he would even change something that he did. God is unchanging in his perfections. He's unchanging 
in his purposes and he's unchanging in his promises. Now look at verse 28. This is the final verse for our psalm. And this is the promise for you and me. Therefore, I want you to make the connection. Because God is unchanging, therefore, verse 28, the children of your servants shall dwell secure. Security is the byproduct of God's unchanging character. Therefore, the children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring, your legacy, shall be established before you. Here's what that means. If our God is unchanging, then we can be secure. If our God is unchanging, then we can be secure. I just want to, I want you to think with me for just a minute. Use your imagination. Imagine with me today, imagine with me if God was changing. Imagine if you didn't know from day to day what God would be like. Imagine if you weren't exactly sure if God was going to deliver on what he said he was going to do. Imagine if you had to put your head on the pillow every night, not sure what kind of God you would wake up to the next day. Imagine if God was changing. This past week, as we uh, planned together Wednesday, and I shared the sermon with the staff, and we talked through it, um, Rita, one of our new staff members, our community group's uh, director, she said to me, oh, I used to be in a religion uh, that was like that. And we're like, I'm sorry? We're like, what? what are you, uh, come back? What are, you, what are you talking about? She said, no, 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 no. I, I grew up in a religion called Sikhism, I think is how you pr- pronounce it. It's like the fifth largest religion in the world. She said, yeah, I, I, my family still worships that way. We actually grew up, and I, I grew up learning that. And the God that we worship in Sikhism, um, he was kind of like a mystery God. Um, you didn't exactly know what he was going to do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you weren't exactly sure what he thought about you on a day-to-day basis. Like some days he would like you and some days he wouldn't like you. And it depended on what you did, whether or not he would like you. And so she's like, I remember spending my entire childhood like wondering whether or not this God that was this supreme being actually loved me. I remember being a kid and putting my head on my pillow at night, wondering if the things that I had done that day had made my God not like me as much as he liked me the day before. I remember wondering and and pleading and trying to figure out if this God was going to actually change the next day as well and what was going to be on the dock for tomorrow. And I lived my life that way. And then she told us the story about how she came to know Christ. And she heard the gospel. And then she heard about a God that wasn't changing. He was unchanging. And a God that was secure and a God that was stable and a God that didn't change his mind or change his purposes or his promises or his perfections but was the same every day. She said it just was a game changer for her. You mean he was the same yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that? And are you trying to tell me that he's going to be the same tomorrow and then the next day after that and the next day and the next day? Yes, that's the God that we have. He is completely unchanging. And she said that the the first memory verse that she ever memorized as a new Christian was, was this, Numbers 23, 19. She said this is the first thing she ever memorized from the Bible. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? That's the kind of God that I want 
to serve. Do you know that we have a good God that we serve? He's a good God. He's not changing his mind on you. He's not trying to figure out how he thinks about you. He's not wondering what he's going to do with you tomorrow. He's the same. He doesn't change. Everything's going to pass away in the world, but he's going to remain, and he is absolutely unchanging. And by the way, as James chapter 1 tells us, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. Or as some translations say it, he does not change like the shifting shadows around you. He is our good God. And I love the way that Wayne Grudem says this in response to what James says in James chapter 1. Since good gifts have always come from God, we can be confident that only good gifts will come from him in the future because his character never changes in the slightest degree. He just absolutely never changes. And this is how I want to encourage you today. Some of you walk in here this morning with um, pain and hurt and agony and situations and circumstances and struggles that are just maybe wrecking you today or maybe hurting you today. And here's, I kind of tricked you a little bit. What we read was the end of the psalm. I mean, just talking about God and how amazing God is and how... That's actually not how he started the psalm. He started the psalm a little differently. He said this in verse 2. Do not hide your face from me, God, in the day of my distress. He was in the middle of distress. It was just his day. It was just nothing was going right. Everything was going wrong. He was just in the middle of distress and agony and trials. He would go on and he would say, my bones are burning within me. I like the inside of me. It's just... I feel like it's on fire. I feel like it's wasting away. He's a, my heart is struck down like grass and is withered. I just got no motivation left. I just got no energy left. I just can't do anything anymore. Everything that I had hope in and where my heart was, it's just completely wasting away. He would go on and say, all the day my enemies taunt me. They're just relentless. They just won't give up. Every time I turn around, there's another enemy there that is taunting me, discouraging me. And he would say, my days are like an evening shadow, a wither like grass. Just feel like there isn't any hope anymore. Just feel like my day doesn't matter. Just feel like I don't matter anymore. But here's what I love about the psalmist. He just keeps writing. Sometimes you just got to keep writing. Sometimes just don't put the pen down yet. Go ahead. Tell God how you feel. He's not afraid. He's not worried about what you're going to say. Just go ahead and just tell him how you feel. Write it down. Write it out. And get it all out before. Just keep writing. Keep writing. Keep writing keep writing and he gets to a point near the end of the psalm in the middle of his distress in the middle of his anguish and he gets to verse 25 and he says but you God of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you remain they will all wear out like a garment but you you change them like a robe they will pass away but you are the same you're the same, and your years have no end. And the children of your servant shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Here's, here's what this means. Your greatest pain will produce your greatest praise. Your greatest pain will produce your greatest praise, which means if you find yourself at the bottom, you find yourself at the end, you find yourself in the middle of hurt, you find yourself in the middle of pain, it's okay, it's okay to be there because God's going to meet you there and God's going to produce the greatest praise out of that greatest pain. 
And this is the reality, is that regardless of what you're facing today and regardless of what you are going through, Jesus Christ has already faced the greatest pain so that you could get the greatest praise. Jesus Christ has already went to a cross for you that had your name on it, that you were supposed to hang on, that you were supposed to die on, that had your sin and your shame and your guilt and your rebellion, and he took it on himself so that you could have praise and know God. See, this is the, this is the crazy thing about church. I, I feel every Sunday like we're just a bunch of crazy people. I, literally, I feel like, I feel like every, I'm, I'm, I'm in the world, I'm, I'm living life, I'm watching TV, I'm on Twitter, social media, listening to the radio, listening to me. I'm living in this world, in this chaos. There's narratives that are being spoken over us. There's these narratives about how we live our life and what's going on in the world and how should we should live. And then I feel like we come together on Sunday morning and we get to encourage each other with a new narrative and it's a different narrative. It's not the narrative that's out there, it's, it's a different narrative. It's a narrative that God is in control and he is is doing something in this world and he's changing people and the way that he did it is he came himself he came and he entered human history and he said i'll take on the pain myself and i'll walk through your your shoes i'll walk in your shoes i'll take it all on me and i'll experience it and then i'll conquer the enemy i'll conquer the enemy for you and i'll give you victory on my behalf and then everything that was mine, I'm going to give it to you. And you can experience that and know that. And you can live in that way. And you can be changed. And then one day, I'm going to really change it all. And we're going to start this thing all over again. And that's going to be heaven. And there won't be any more pain. There won't be any more crying. There won't be any more tears. There won't be any more diseases. There won't be any more cancer. There won't be any more gossip. Praise God. In heaven, that's what I'm doing. And you're a part of it. You're a part of it. And I'm doing it through you. So just keep your chin up and hang in there because I'm producing praise out of your pain. And I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a rock. I don't have the ability to go anywhere. I'm a rock. I'm here for you. And I'm not going to change. So just hold on to me, okay? And as long as you hold on to me, we can get through this together. This morning before, in between our worship gatherings, I was with my little girls out, outside. And we were over next to Burnt Mill Creek, the bar. And he's got this. Um, I don't want to speak bad about it. It's this really uh, uh, jank little uh, railing that kind of goes around like the outside of there's a little concrete pad and your kid, maybe your kids, my kids jump up on there and they walk across and I'm like, okay, they're going to fall onto the concrete and bust. We're going to have to quit church today. It's just not going to be again. And, and my girls are actually trying to walk across this thing and, and Harper, she's like, she can like barely take us. She's like doing these baby steps. It was like the craziest thing. She's like on this little two by six runner and she's walking and she's like, daddy, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I just, just, the, just the, I give her my finger. She grabs my finger and then it's like, boom, she just walks right like that. I'm like, I'm like, how did she, like, I, I'm just like, I'm not even really doing anything. I'm just like, there's my finger. And then she just kind of like walks across it at full speed. How in the world did that happen? All she needed was a little touch and a little love and a little encouragement to keep going. You don't have, you don't have to have a huge hand. You don't have to have a strong grip. You just got to hold on to the finger of God. You got to hold on to him and he's unchanging he's going to get you through it he's going to help you he's going to meet you where you are and there's anything that you can face that you're going to fall off because god's got you he's going to hold your hand amen amen can we praise him today amen thank you lord amen